Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How do you build a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line? And why did Blake Corum decide to return to Michigan after his outstanding year in 2022? Those are questions I ask, and you will hear answered in our day two interviews at Big Ten Media Days. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. I'm pleased to be joined by Michigan running back Blake Corum. Blake, how you doing? I'm, I'm blessed, man. I'm, I'm feeling great. You look great. You look amazing. Now, I need to describe for the podcast listeners what this fit is. So you have on a blue jacket, but it looks like it's velour with black lapels. Yeah, yeah. yeah? Yes, sir. It's a little, it's velvet. Yeah, it's blue velvet. Uh, you know, you got black, then you got the BC2 on the inside. You know, you always got to have the brand on you. Uh, so uh, that's the fit. That's the fit. For, that's my fit for the day. Man, I, oh, and that watch looks nice. The chains around your neck look nice. You know, you look like a man <laughs> that should have been invited to the Heisman ceremony last year. I got to ask, how you feel about that? You put together the season you had and didn't get an invitation. Hey, man, uh, it was, it's all God's plan, you know. Uh, I'm glad uh, my boy Caleb won it. Uh, being from the DMV, we used to train together, you know, so I, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad Caleb won it. Last move from you, but I, I also need to ask, dog, like, what are you doing playing college football this year in that it feels like you'd have been a first-round draft pick if you wanted to come out in 23? Yeah, you know, I had an unfinished business, you know, uh, for me. You know, it's bigger. It's a bigger picture, right? And so, you know, after I got injured, I'm going back and forth. Like, should I declare? Should I come back? Should I declare? Should I come back? And my final decision was to come back and uh, for that unfinished business. And, you know, that unfinished business was, you know, how do I want to be remembered? You know, do I want to be a legend or do I want to be remembered as someone that, you know, left the big house his last game, he got injured um, and, he, and he never returned, you know? so. You know, for me, you know, we have a lot of great guys coming back. A lot, a lot of my guys coming back. Um, and, you know, we're on a mission. We're on a mission to, to accomplish our goals. Um, I, I had to come back and get my degree. So I, I got that. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm in the community still. You know, so all, all those things put together, you know, was enough to keep me here for one more year and still accomplish my dreams next year. Sounds like a Michigan man to me. That's that's how y'all talk about it. That's how y'all be about it. 
Yes, sir. I, I'm interested when you say unfinished business, is it as simple as winning those last two games of the year? Uh, you could say that, but you also, you know, unfinished business means, you know, winning our rivalry games, you know, winning that Big Ten championship game, you know, and then after that, you know, everything's going to take care of itself. You know, we got to find a way to get over that hump. You know, we, we've been there twice, you know, we, but we lost twice. And so, you know, now, you know, we got to bring the team together and see what we need to fix and, uh, and finish the business. So you, you, could, you could say that. Um, you know, those, those last two games, you know. But really, it starts from that first game against uh, ECU. And so, you know, after that first game, everything else, week to week, week to week, week to week. And at the end of the, at the, end of the season, we'll look back and be like, hey, look what we did. You know, but we just got to be where our feet are right now. When did you know that J.J. McCarthy had what it took to lead y'all not just past Ohio State, but to a Big Ten championship? I mean, I knew he had what it took, uh, you know, from the, from the first time, time he started. You know, I, I know what J.J. was capable of. You know, I've seen it. I saw it in practice. You know, it just took, you know, some of the year. You know, we had, we had a strong run game. You know, and when, when you're good at something, it's, sometimes it's hard to shy away from it. You know, and then, you know, they, st they started airing it out. And then as you saw towards the end of the season, when we needed him the most, he was there. You know, and so I'm excited to see after one season of, you know, under his belt, what does season two have to offer? And I'll tell you, he's been working. You know, he's looking really good. You know, he's, he's confident, you know, more confident than ever. Um, so it's going to be a great year for number nine. What's curious to me and really cool to see, honestly, is how you were behind Hassan Haskins and then started to get those carries and become the guy. And at the same time, you're raising up another in Donovan Edwards, who has been yeah. that dude, especially late yeah. in the season for you all. What's it like to have that kind of young, talented player in the same running back room as you? Oh, man, it means a lot. You know, it's hard doing it by yourself, right? And, you know, Donovan, man, he's a, he's a great running back. I love having him in the room. You know, he, his characteristics, his, his passion for the game is, is crazy. You know, we have a great relationship where we just push each other nonstop, you know. And so, you know, when he's in, in the game, you know, I'm rooting him on. When I'm in the game, he's rooting me on. It's never like, dang, like, he got more carries than me. It, 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 we're not selfish. You know, we're very unselfish running backs, and that's hard to find sometimes. And I think that's what makes, you know, our running back group so special. Um, and we have a great running back coach and Coach Hart. So, you know, it, it's great having, you know, running backs in the room that are ready just to step up. And that's what Donovan did last year. I'm excited to see what he would do this year because it's going to be amazing. You know, it, it, I love having him, you know, right by my side and, uh, and going to attack the game each and every game with him. You've mentioned Coach Hart being your running backs coach, and most folks know that Mike Hart is something of a Michigan legend. Yourself, there's Donovan mm -hmm. Edwards, there's Hassan Haskins. I wonder, at a place like Michigan where the running back position is so storied, do you feel that the NFL is undervaluing your position? Uh, I mean, I, I would say so. Uh, you know, I think running backs, you know, for the longest have been a big part of the game. And I, I definitely feel like they're undervaluing our position. And uh, hopefully that changes. Uh, 
you know, but, you know, if it doesn't, you know, I'm still going to play. You know, I, I love the game a lot. You know, hopefully they just learn to appreciate the running backs a little more because we, we do a lot for the game, man. And uh, seeing that, like, you know, we're the lowest paid, you know, it, it strikes a nerve for sure. But, you know, I see the running backs in the league, are, they're having these meetings and things like that. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we, we can get it together and, um, and, and hopefully – you know, put a little more money in our pocket, but you know, we shall see. But I definitely think we're undervalued. It's interesting to hear that because I'm the last generation of person, I believe, that grew up wanting to be a running back, right? Now, Bill folks want to play quarterback, mm -hmm. they want to play wide receiver. I honestly am asking you, did you always want to grow up to be an NFL running back? Yeah, I always wanted to be a running back. I've been, I've been playing running back since six years old, five, six years old. You know, when I was playing for uh, the Falkir Rams, you know, so, you know, I've been playing running back since I was a youngster. Uh, that's what I trained at, you know, all my life. Um, and, and that's what I still want to be. You know, now if, if I could go back, I might play safety or something, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm a running back through and through. I, I love playing our RB position. And I think RBs, you know, we, we mean a lot to the game. You know, so seeing what's happening right now is a little frustrating, but uh, it is what it is at the end of the day. Playing for Coach Harbaugh means that you're going to run the football. It also means you're going to have an outstanding <laughs> offensive know. line. What's it like to run behind a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line? I mean, it makes life easier for you, right? You know, when you know your guys up front are going to dominate, it makes what you see a lot easier. You know, and so, you know, shout out to the guys up front, man. You know, they mean a lot to me. They mean a lot to the quarterback. They mean a lot to the receivers. You know, all the skilled players, you know, our offensive line, they mean a lot to us because they do such a phenomenal job. You know, the offensive line and Coach Moore, you know, who coaching them, uh, you know, uh, they, they do a tremendous job. And back-to-back -back Joe Moores, you know, the first to ever do it. You know, it, it's, it's amazing to see. You know, it's amazing to see the work that they put in this offseason. It's, it's, it's even better to see what they do in the field. So, you know, it feels great. You know, I, I love running behind my guys. I love, you know, trying to make them look good because they make me look good. When it's cold, you got to be able to run football. It's hard to catch that thing when it's flying That's like right. an ice rock at you. <laughs> but I'm also curious, thinking about Coach Moore, I'm an Oklahoma guy, right? I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I went to grad okay, school okay. at the University of Oklahoma. So Coach Moore means a lot to me. I wonder, has his demeanor changed a little bit since he'd been elevated to that offensive coordinator position? Nah, coach, one thing about our coaches, and I, you know, they are who they are. You know, just because, you know, you might make a little more money doesn't mean you change. You know, just because you, you know, get a higher level job, you know, going from offense line coach to offense coordinator, like, that, that, doesn't, that didn't change him at all. You know, Coach Moore is Coach Moore. You know what you're going to get from him. He's a great dude, great coach. I love playing for him. He's a, he's a great offense coordinator. You know, he, he knows the game of football. He knows what he's talking about, and, uh, you know, it, I'm glad I'm in his offense, just put it like that. My last one for you, Blake, and I'm just curious, did you get your Camaro back? <laughs> I, I didn't. Uh, they found it, though. They found it, well, I went down probably three months ago. It was at some abandoned house um, in Detroit. Uh, the police had found it. They, they were blowing me up. Hey, we found your Camaro. It, it, was, it was all ruined. But I'll tell you what, my uh, Under Armour All-American helmet from high school was in it still. So I went down. Uh, they didn't take that. 
they, they took everything else, but my Under Armour All-American helmet was still in there, so I went down and grabbed it. It's at the crib now. That's a prized possession for you, that Under Armour All-American helmet. You know, yes, sir. I gotta ask, what you driving now? What, what your four wheels look like? <laughs> uh, so I got a, a truck, I bought my first car by myself, like I said, my Camaro, my parents gifted me that. Uh, so I bought my first, I got a 2500, uh, 2023 uh, diesel, uh, big old, big old white, black rounds, blacked out windows truck, and then uh, I have an NIL deal, uh, and I and I and I have a Camaro. Look at there, man. See, you country, you as country as I am. I got the 1500 Ram outside. See, even for me and from the DMV. Yes, sir. You know it. Yeah, yeah. Michigan running back Blake Corum. Thank you so much for joining us here on the number one college football show. I appreciate you. I'm pleased to be joined by Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Coach, how are you doing? Oh, doing really good. How's your day going so far? It's going well now that I get to talk with you. Uh, I have a question for you, but I want to phrase it this way. If I told you that your team was going to finish number one in rushing offense and number one in rushing defense, would you describe that as a Jim Harbaugh coach team? Yeah, that would that would be uh, that would be a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, that's what happened last year, and it feels like you have the tools to do that once again. And the way that I, I want to get at that is your offensive line. So I, I got to ask you, Coach, how do you build a Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line? Well, I think it starts with uh, really talented players who are, uh, give great effort and. Uh, also, really great coach, Sharon Moore, does an incredible job. Um, so that, that Joe Moore Offensive Line Award is one that uh, you know, our guys really, really uh, treasure. The, um, but as they say, I mean, it doesn't matter that they won it last year or the year before. Uh, all that matters is that they're doing it again. And uh, this year is all that matters. So when they go into it with with that kind of resolve, that kind of drive, that kind of mindset, uh, you know, I sure wouldn't bet against him. Were you at all surprised that Blake Corum decided to return to your football team in 2023? Happily, yes. Um, he, uh, the way he explained it to me was, you know, he really wanted to be at his best. He had this plan that, um, you know, get the surgery, uh, rehab, and he knew it was going to take uh, seven months or so, eight months to get back to his 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 self. Uh, where it stands now, he's stronger, faster, uh, quicker than he was before the injury. <clears throat> and he also wants to, when he does, it is time to to turn professional, to to be able to work, have that lead up to the combine. He pictures all that. He visualizes it, uh, going to the combine and and competing with the best to be the best. And, um, and then being drafted and going to a professional team. Uh, it's just something that he, he visualizes, trains for, and uh, he's got himself in a great position right now. And uh, yeah, for our team, you know, tremendous, tremendous, uh, puts us in a tremendous position as well. Given the legacy of the offensive line at Michigan, and in particular, the running back position at Michigan, 
Are you at all worried that his position, Blake Corum's position, is being undervalued in the NFL? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't worry about that. Um, it, it's not undervalued in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, it's not undervalued uh, in the Michigan football program. And neither is your quarterback play, quite honestly, because you allowed a quarterback derby to proceed into the regular season, which many people would call unconventional. You eventually settled on J.J. McCarthy, a guy that I know you believe in and demonstrated as much last year. But were you at all surprised about how he was able to answer the call, particularly in big games that you had to win to earn that Big Ten championship game? I was really impressed. Um, I wouldn't call it surprise as much as, uh, you know, just, just really impressive first-year starting quarterback to accomplish what he did. I can't, I can't recall another first-year college quarterback having the, that kind of success that J.J. McCarthy had. Uh, he's in a great place right now. And I, he's, he's, I look at him as a generational type of quarterback at Michigan. They, they come along once a generation. And um, here he is, uh, and can't wait to watch him compete this year. Uh, so all the attributes I could, I could really, really talk a lot about. Uh, if you'd like me to, I, I can. He's, he's uh, talent is athletic, uh, arm talent, top of the charts, and uh, his willingness to do anything for his teammates is the thing that I think makes him great um, because there's nobody on the team that wouldn't do anything for him. And uh, it's a leadership by example, always, always, uh, always having fun at play. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch it unfold. Outside of national champion Georgia, you have put together the best two-year run of any team in college football, 25-3 and three over these last two years. How close do you think your program is to winning its first national championship this century? So, I mean, you, you put yourself in position to be in position. Um, college football, you really, 14 playoff, you can't lose two. Um, uh, one is the most you can lose, so you got you to gotta put yourself in position. And once you're in position, then, uh, you know, executing, winning that game, getting to the championship game, uh, that's, that's the goal. Our team uh, is setting out like it does every year uh, right now to um, win the Big Ten championship. We, we, we want to beat Ohio State. We want to beat Michigan State, Penn State. Um, now we've got so many rivals in the Big Ten. Uh, but really, win that championship, put ourselves in position um, like we have the last two years, and then uh, you know, go win that semifinal game and get ourselves in position to, to play for the national championship. Those are, that's our goal. In the offseason, Coach, we spent a lot of time talking about just how teams are put together, what the rosters look like, five stars, four stars. That's what people in my profession do. And one of the things that strikes me is that you can do that without teams that we don't think have enough four- or five-star players on it. And I got to ask, Coach, how are you getting the most out of each and every one of your players, especially over the last two years? <clears throat> oh, thanks. I mean, great, great coaches, really. Yeah, and I take myself out of that, uh, uh, out of that equation for a sec. Uh, the, the staff we have is incredible. Uh, then our strength coach, and that 
entire strength coach, Ben Herbert, and, and all the guys, uh, center of player developments in our weight room, and, uh, and what our assistant coaches do with our, with our players on, on the field. And, um, and then the guys with the, the Heisman habits, the Aiden Hutchinson's, Blake Corms, uh, Chris Jenkins, Mike Samrasell, um, make it really a walk in the park for me as a coach because I just tell the younger guys, hey, look, look at Blake, you know, watch him, you know, evaluate him, and then emulate him, copy him, and then see if you can go make him proud of you. Um, and not just Blake, but Chris and Mike, JJ, uh, you know, Zinter and, and Keegs, uh, Jalen Harrell, Rod Moore, Macari uh, Page, I go on and on, Will, Will Johnson, all these guys, uh, the, there's so many people that uh, you know, are, are, are young players, you know, especially the freshmen coming in, because that's a whole new, new group of guys that are, are taking that step. But they have those guys to, uh, to watch, emulate, and see if they can go make proud of them. Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on the number one college football show. Appreciate it. Congratulations on being the number one college football show. <laughs> I appreciate you, coach. That made my day. I appreciate <laughs> you. I'm pleased to be joined by Penn State head coach James Franklin. Coach, how you doing? Awesome. Appreciate you having me. Coach, year 10 at Penn State, if you can believe it. Reflecting on the first 10 years or going into this 10th year, what have you learned about yourself uh, as a head coach at Penn State? Well, first of all, to your point, it's crazy. Ten years uh, in college football uh, is pretty unique. So I'm excited about that. I'm proud of that. I think about where the program was when we got here and where it is now. Won a Big Ten championship. We won three New Year's Six Bowl games. Finished number seven in the country. Preseason somewhere seven or higher um, in one of the best divisions in college football. So I'm proud of what we've done. Uh, we still have work to do and goals to accomplish at a place with really high standards and expectations. Uh, but I'm proud and I'm excited about this year opening with West Virginia. I'm curious, Coach, you mentioned one of the toughest divisions in college football. You had two teams from your division make the college football playoff. How close do you think you are to Penn State being one of those teams that makes the college football playoff? Yeah, again, I, when you finish the season ranked number seven in the country and you're preseason seven, and to your point, you got three teams in our conference, all you know, in our division, all in, inside the top ten, um, it's, it's competition, and you're close. Um, you're as close as you possibly can be. You know, we played Ohio State last year. We're winning um, you know, in the middle of the third quarter. we got to find a way to finish games like that against really talented opponents. Uh, we got Michigan at home this year. We got Ohio State on the road. They're obviously going to be really critical games for, for both of our programs. It's hard for me not to circle that game that you have against Ohio State on the schedule this year. But I'm curious, after watching us really lose our minds about the performance that one of the defenders had at Ohio State, how did you all assess your play, especially finishing those last two quarters of that game? 
Well, again, I think we, we played really well uh, for the majority of the game, but not for the entire game. And when you're playing an opponent like Ohio State with the talent that they have, uh, you got to sustain it. And that's not just as a team, but that's also as individual players. So, um, you know, I got to give that kid a ton of credit. He played extremely well and made huge plays. Um, but I think there's also some things that we could have done uh, to make it more challenging on him. Is Drew Alar experienced enough to lead your football team this year? Well, we'll see. We got a quarterback battle going on like, like we do at every position, uh, like we did last year when, when Sean was the presumed starter. Um, but yeah, he's got a ton of talent, big, strong arms, six foot five, 242 pounds, more athletic than people think. He's much more athletic now than he was last year at this time. Um, there's a lot of excitement about him. I get it based on recruiting rankings out of high school and what he did in the 10 games he played in last year. You know, so we'll see how camp and, and the season evolves. With respect to your Big Ten title team, I'm looking at the roster that you have constructed for this season. And I got to tell you, top to bottom, it's as talented as I've seen at Penn State. But those two dudes in the backfield, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, feel like they give you a level advantage against almost anybody. Is there a number for which you're trying to get both of those guys rushes, carries, 150, 175 this season? Yeah, I think it really depends, right? Um, to your point, when you have Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, what is the defense's structure probably going to look like? We're probably going to have a middle-of-the-field closed defense with an extra guy in the box, which is going to create one-on-one -on -one opportunities on the outside. People are going to say, we're going to make a new quarterback beat us. We're not going to allow those two running backs to, to beat us. So I just think you got to be smart there. Obviously, we need the ball in their hands as much as we possibly can. But I also understand that defenses are going to go into this every week saying, we can't allow these two guys to beat us. As a former play caller and wide receiver coach, tell me if you can, how do you beat Manny Diaz's defense? Yeah, so you know, Manny does a great job in terms of taking away all of the easy yardage. Kind of reminds me back in the day of when I was at the University of Maryland and you'd play Florida State with Mickey Andrews. Um, it was press man, they were better than you at corner. Uh, they would overload the box. They had two defensive ends that could rush the passer. So they always had a numbers advantage in the box in the run game. And then they were playing press man on the outside, so it was hard to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quickly, which now allowed the defensive ends and the pass rushers to get to you. And that, that's kind of how we're built. Manny's done a great job. We're aggressive. I think it also helps us in the RPO game because when you're in zone coverage, people try to put you in conflict. So Manny's done a really good job, and I think it really fits our personnel um, that we have at Penn State. Given what you accomplished last season, given what you have accomplished in 10 years at Penn State, Coach, I'm excited for what you're going to do in 2023. James Franklin, head coach, Penn State Nittany Lions, thank you so much for joining us here on the number one college football show. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be joined by Nebraska head coach Matt Rule. Coach, how you doing? Man, I'm good. It's good to be on with you. I appreciate you coming in, Coach, because uh, 
frankly, I'm fired up for you being at Nebraska, but I'm going to ask it this way. Do you remember when Nebraska was the most feared football program in the country? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, the 80s, the 90s, especially the 90s, you know, even into 2001, 2002, like Nebraska was was the team. Is that the reason that you wanted to take this job? Matt, I think it was a small piece of it, you know, to, to be able, you know, right, Matt, you think you're a program builder that you like, you know, you like being on the front end and getting programs, you know, upright, like go to Nebraska, like go, go to a place that's for 42 years was dominant and then has had 20 years, you know, of kind of ups and downs and see if you can do it there. Um, I really think college football needs Nebraska to be good. And so uh, as, a, as a lover of college football, I was excited to get the opportunity. Well, as an Oklahoma fan, I can tell you, uh, I want Nebraska to be good, but that's because I ain't got to play them every other year like some of these teams in the Big Ten <laughs> will have to. How did you identify Jeff Sims as a guy that you thought could help you get started at Nebraska? You know, when I was at Baylor, um, uh, I was, you know, longtime friends. One of my first jobs was with Jeff Collins. He was the head coach at Georgia Tech. So I went out and visited him and saw Jeff Sims out there practicing. And then again in the NFL, I'm watching games on Saturday. I'm always watching my buddy Jeff play, uh, coach, and, and I'm watching Jeff Sims. And I just see the potential. I see the ability. I see uh, a winner. And um, when I got the job and, and, you know, we had some mutual connections that were able to reach out to him. Uh, I think Jeff, you know, the sky's the limit for him. And so I was really excited when he wanted to come be a Cornhusker. I know I'm getting ahead of you, Coach, and coaches want to go one and one and oh, but I've already circled Nebraska at Colorado on my schedule. Are you fired up for that game? 100 percent. Um, you know, I think uh, I think that's a that, that's an iconic rivalry, you, you know. Uh, Coach Osborne versus Coach McCartney, you know, uh, Nebraska versus Colorado, number two versus number three. That, that, that's college football to me. And so to have a chance to, to reignite that rivalry, to be a small piece of it, again, I think it's good, for, it's good for Nebraska. It's probably good for Colorado, but I know it's good for the country. And uh, obviously there'll be a lot of uh, people watching it. So great opportunity for our team. We've mentioned your reputation as a program builder, turning Temple into a 10-win team after starting 2-10, and uh, 10, going to Baylor, and turning them into an 11-win team. I'm curious, how do you manage to get all of these players going in the same direction and, frankly, to like each other as much as they do? I don't think I've ever seen a football coach so invested in having every last one of his players at the table at the same time as often as you do. You know, um, I think I think you know everyone wants to have a great offense. Everyone wants to have a great defense, great special teams, great play call. You know, I, I also want to have a great team, um, and, and and team um, is important to me. So we're always trying to build it. Whether it's you know sitting together at a meal or playing paintball together or or doing community service together or, or me making the guys practice really hard together. You know, we share a lot of experiences, and you know you go from you go from hey I'm I'm friends with him because we have a lot in common to you know you start. You start respecting guys that maybe you don't have a lot in common with, but you respect where they came from. You respect what they've overcome in their lives. You get to know people, and um, I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing. And uh, if you have a team that'll fight for each other, you always have a chance. Having coached in Philly, coached in Waco, coached in Carolina, I'm curious: Have you met a fan base quite like Nebraska's? I don't think you can meet a fan base like Nebraska's unless you coached in Nebraska. You know, it's it's passionate, it's knowledgeable, um, it, it, it covers the entire state, and 
I've been in Mexico, I've been all over the country <laughs> and outside the country, and I've had people say, scream Go Big Red to me. So it's an honor to, to be their coach and, 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 and represent them when I can. Do you feel any pressure from them to get them back to where they once were? Because they they know what that feels like, and I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, Coach. You want to know what that feels like. No doubt. No, no, no doubt. I, I feel a ton of pressure, 100%. Like, I'm, not, I'm not too cool to say that, man. Like, I feel pressure to, to bring the program back to where it should be, to, to, to honor our fans, to help our players have great experiences, and, and to win championships. I mean, like, like I've waited my whole life to, have, to be at a place like this. And so um, I know what Nebraska can be. I know what it has been. Um, I just have to get it there. So while I feel the pressure, that, that's what makes me work. That's what, that's what keeps me going. Defensively last year, Nebraska had a hard time stopping people running the football, and it's been a bugaboo for them for a couple of years now. I wonder who you have identified to help Luke Reimer in that defense help you stop people running the ball so much on Nebraska. You know, we, we have a lot of guys up front that I like. You know, uh, Ty Robinson's a returning D-tackle, D-end for us that's uh, been a really good player. Nash Hutchmacher, big 330-pound nose tackle that's really diversified his game. And, uh, and, and many more. You know, John Bullock's a guy that would move the linebacker. Nick Henrich comes back off injury. So um, we, came, we, got it. We, we, we got to Nebraska. We went out to camp. We put the pads on in spring, and we grinded old school. We, 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 we ran. We hit. We tackled. We got off blocks. And so I think we have a lot of good players that are going to be good at stopping the run. Um, uh, we, just, we just have to go do it now. But, but I like our team. And, and uh, we know that in the Big Ten you can't win if you can't stop the run. How are you relating to players in this era of name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, roster management, all these things that even 10 years ago, coaches did not have to consider? Yeah, I think for me, I've always been a coach. I've been a kind of a relational coach. I've always been a coach that, like, you know, has no problem sitting down with every player and loves sitting down with guys and talking about what they want and where they're headed and what they want in their lives. Um, I, I, try to be, I try to keep it real. I try to be transparent with guys. So... Um, you know, I think, I think this, this environment's been good for me, you know, going to the NFL and dealing with guys, you know, are happy with their contracts, unhappy with their contracts, that, that, that prepares you for this as well. And, um, you know, I've always said to myself, like, I can't control who transfers and who doesn't, but what I can do is have a program and a locker room that, that guys shouldn't want to transfer from. That's, that cares about guys, that takes care of them. So to me, if I have that, if I have a place that, you know, people want to be, if I have great relationships with guys, um, more players will be there than not. The conference is deep already. It's going to get deeper next year when USC and UCLA join the conference. What do you say to folks that say Nebraska needs to get on the good foot in a hurry because, well, it's about to get even tougher than it has been? Yeah, you know, we're, we're not on anybody's timetable but our own. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be great when USC and UCLA come in. You know, I'll be honest with you, I love kind of where we're positioned, you know, just geographically, like, you know, teams from the West Coast are going to have to fly five hours to play teams on the East Coast and vice versa. So, like, we're in the center of the country. We, we have easy trips to, you know, sort of everywhere. So, but in terms of a timetable, like, what I know is there's no shortcuts, man. Like, you only get to sustained excellence by doing things the right way. So that, that's what we're going to do. We're going to build it and do it the right way and uh, trust that it'll come. If it takes a little bit longer, so be it. But um, the, the Nebraska fans deserve to have someone do it the right way. I'm interested in your relationship with your offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield, because it feels like one that had just dawned on me, it fits. I, I'm talking about a guy that 
I love to watch recruit because he would tell the kids straight up what he wants from them, how he thinks they can help him, how he thinks they can help him. What did you look at when you went to go hire a guy like Marcus Satterfield to run your offense? You know, Marcus and I were assistants together at Western Carolina. He was my OC at Temple. He was on my staff at Baylor when he came back to, to me. He was on my staff at Carolina. Um, you know, he knows the way I want to play the game. You know, um, I'm not interested in, 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 in stats. I'm not interested in numbers. I'm interested in winning. And so um, hiring a guy like Marcus, who I know smart, intelligent, uh, can put together great game plans, but also is always going to put the team first, man, that, that's, that's what I was looking for. So, um, you know, when I was let go in Carolina, was talk, I was talking to him all the time as they were going through the stretch run at South Carolina and, uh, you know, had two memorable wins at the end and wasn't sure if he would come. And when he came, I was really, really excited. You were having that conversation with Marcus as you were sitting on your couch. And I got to ask, Coach, we all saw the buyout. What are you doing coaching Nebraska football right now as opposed to mowing your lawn? You missed the game that much? Yeah, man, I, I, I love the coach. I mean, I, I'll, I'll coach till I die. I mean, I, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be coaching high school, Pop Warner. I mean, um, I miss it. And I miss the college game too, man. I, like, I wanted to get back and, and, and be around this age group and these guys and feel like maybe we're having an impact in their lives. So, um, yeah, Julie did not want me at home. I did not want to be at home. And so, here, Nebraska, here we come. And it's been great so far. Well, I'm excited for this new era of Nebraska football. Like you, I think that the country is a better country when Nebraska is good, and I think the sport is all-time when Nebraska is good. Nebraska head coach Matt Rule, thank you so much for joining us here on the number one college football show. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Nebraska quarterback Jeff Sims. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm good. Excited to talk with you. First of all, you look sharp. I, uh, for the podcast listeners, the man got on a three-piece suit and all black with that nice Nebraska <laughs> pin. You're coming to Big Ten Media Days Thank representing you. what I think is a starved college football fan base. So when did you first learn that people are so excited to have you on campus because they can't wait to get back to winning football in Nebraska? Man, um... Like my second or third week here, I was out bowling with the guys, and um, a couple fans came up to us, and they was just they was just really excited, and um, it was kind of cool to see. And um, the fans here, they're really they're really um, supportive, so like they they know every single player on the team, so it was really cool to see. It's a different kind of culture in Lincoln, and they yeah. love football there. Has anybody referenced to you just how down the program has been given the last basically decade? and what it has felt like for them and what it feels like to have a coach like Coach Rule who seems to get them from the jump? Yeah, I've heard, I've heard plenty of stories about um, how it's been, um, but <clears throat> uh, me, Coach Rule and I, we really don't like to look at the past. Um, we, um, our, biggest, our biggest goal and focus right now is what's right now and what's going forward. So um, I know our biggest goal is to get things going and just go out there and just win every game, want to know every week, and just go out there and play Nebraska football. It's very clear to those of us that have seen you play at Georgia Tech that you are clearly very talented, but it's about putting it all together in one season. How mm -hmm. comfortable are you with Coach Satterfield's offense and your ability to lead the team come September? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm very comfortable in Coach Sass' offense. Um, just learning it since I've been here, it's been, really, it's been really good to pick up on. And it's a very versatile offense. So just knowing different things about it, knowing every in and out of the offense, um, that's one thing that I've been focusing on this offseason, like making sure that I master the offense, making sure I know every little thing. Whereas, and then um, that that's going to help us this season, just knowing everything and making sure that everybody on the offense knows everything. And they've been doing a good job coaching that. What has it been like for you to be coached by Coach Rule? And I ask that because I got to see him at Baylor up close personal covering the Big 12. He seems like a different kind of cat, mm -hmm. and he seems uniquely suited for the challenge that Nebraska is. Yeah. Coach Rule is a very smart coach. Um, he's, he's super smart. Um, he, knows, he knows every little thing about football when it comes, like, he knows defense, offense. Like, he can literally be a position coach for any position. And um, I think that's something that that's stands out about him. Uh, we'll be at practice and we'll be doing routes on there and he'll see something with our footwork, or our mechanics, and he'll tweak it a little bit and it'll make the biggest difference in the world. So um, just being around a coach like that, that knows the game like that, knows studies, it's, it's really amazing to see. What have been some of the team building activities that you all participated in? I ask because that's also part of Coach Rule's playbook. He seems to be very good <clears throat> at getting all of y'all in the yeah. same room many times over. Yeah, this offseason we've had plenty of team meetings, um, more than I've ever had. Um, we did, I remember we did, um, when we was in offseason workouts um, in the spring, we had a day where we did stuff from different sports, and then we all came together in the basketball court and we just had a little dunk contest, played a little, the, some of the players played against Coach Rule and Coach Knighton, and, um, and it was just a good thing to see. Um, we went bowling with the team. We've been doing a lot of team activities just to build a brotherhood with the team and make sure all the guys is mingling and we're close. Um, I know in the spring, every Thursday, we had family dinner. Um, that, was, that was really good. <clears throat> What's the family dinner like? What's the meal? So it, it, it really depends. So one day we had barbecue. Some, it, it's, it's different food every time, but um, families, the coaches, the players um, just come out and all the team, just, the whole team just there eating, mingling, talking with each other. And that's, that, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> How much are you looking forward to the challenge of playing in the Big Ten? It's, it's a bit different than the ACC, but yeah. I like to think that it's going to present you with some opportunities that you haven't had before. Yeah, I... Like you said, I look at challenges as opportunities, and I love them. Um, I love being challenged. I don't ever, I don't really ever want anything to come easy, because I like to put myself to the test. So I'm really excited about it. My last one for you, Jeff. What do you want most for Nebraska this season? I want us to, I want us to get everything that we work for. Um, we've been working really hard this off season, and. Um, our goal, like I said earlier, is to go 1-0 every week, and uh, that's what we're going to do. That's hard enough as it is, and I wish you great luck in trying to go 1-0 every single week, get Nebraska back on the good foot. We're all thrilled to see the program trending upward. Nebraska quarterback Jeff Sims, thank you so much for joining us here on the number one college football show. Thank you for having me.
I'm pleased to be joined by Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, sir. Excited to talk with you about this season. And I want to start with the most important position on a football field, and that's quarterback. Uh, I read earlier today when we're speaking that you had talked about Noah Kim being one of the fastest guys on your football team. Tell, tell me how you find that, found that out about a quarterback, because usually you ain't setting those dudes up to go run sprints. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good question. Though. We have, you know, we have all of our players uh, outfitted with those GPS units. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, we know how fast they are, miles per hour when they run with the strength coaches, things like that, and, and their top speed. So we have a really good idea how fast all of our guys are. Can you give me a mile per hour on Kim? I cannot do that, but he's he's, okay. he's fairly quick. <laughs> but you can't you can't blame me for asking, right? But it's That's also right. about That's those right. guys, that, right? So like, I'm also looking at that, going, well, I wonder if Jalen Berger can keep up with Noah Kim because he might have to. Are you excited about his development going into the season? Yeah, I tell you what, you know, uh, you know, Noah has has really developed over the over the years. You know, Jalen Berger came in last year. It was his first season with us, and then and we wanted to make sure we had competition in that room, so we signed three running backs to go mm -hmm. with him. So we got uh, Jaron Mangum that came in from South Florida. He played for me as a true freshman at Colorado. Uh, we got Nathan Carter that came in from UConn, who was a very, very good player and has played a lot of, a lot of good football in Power 5. Then Jalen Barber has come in from California, Simi Valley. He ran a 10-300 meters as a junior in high school. Uh, so, so to go with Berger and Devion Prim and, and, uh, and Jordan Simmons, you know, we got a lot of competition here. We're going to play the best players. 10-3 in the 100, that is absolutely flying. I don't need a miles per hour on him. That one, I got that one right away, Coach. Uh, I'm curious about the defense going into this season. I know you as a defensive coach, defensive backs coach, and also Coach Hazleton, you probably took offense to how the defense played last year. I'm curious, knowing your background and knowing Scotty Hazleton once told me that, hey, RJ, uh, when they score 40, I think we should call the game. That's how badly he wants to <laughs> keep those teams from scoring under. How are you planning to fix how your secondary in particular plays and get the most out of your defense in 23? Yeah, well, we really had some holes we needed to fill uh, in the front seven because it really starts there. Russian coverage have to work together. We have to be able to stop the run. So we added uh, three uh, defensive tackles, 6'5", 300 plus each, uh, that have all played uh, big time college football. Uh, they, are, they are very productive guys and they'll be able to help us uh, this season. We signed uh, four defensive ends, uh, one, of, one of which is Tamisha Adelaide, who uh, was one of the top players in the portal on the D-line from Texas A&M. He walked in the door at 280. Um, mm -hmm. He's very athletic. Um, he's a hard guy to block in the other uh, Three defensive ends are four-star uh, high school pass rushers. And as you know, uh, some of those younger kids, they might not be able to help you on those rundowns, stopping the run, but they can certainly help you uh, in those obvious passing situations, getting after the quarterback. We have uh, our linebackers came back. Aaron Brule decided to come back for one last year. Uh, Jacoby Winmon. Uh, who made a splash for us last season to decide to come back. Then Cal Holiday, an All-Big Ten player, decided to come back, along with Jordan Hall, who was a four-star that came to us uh, mid-year, went through spring with us. 
you know, those are, those are guys that, that can help us uh, right now. That's really going to help our secondary. We went out and got Samara Melvin from Wisconsin. Uh, we went and got Terry Roberts from Iowa, Marion Smith from Cincinnati to help in our secondary with the young guys that we, that we have. We signed six defensive backs uh, in uh, two classes ago. And a lot of those guys were true freshmen. They were true freshmen last year. A lot of those guys played in games because of injuries. And so they have a lot of experience. So we're longer, we're more athletic. Uh, we got a good mix of young guys with the older guys. Um, you know, together we're rushing coach working together. Um, we should be able to get the job done. We also added Jimmy Salgado to our staff. He's coaching the corners this season. He spent the last six seasons with the Buffalo Bills. As you know, they've had top five defenses the past few years in the league. You know, working with Leslie Frazier. So I feel really good about our defense right now. Uh, we have to stay healthy. That was an issue for us last season. Um, I feel like uh, finally Scotty's got the depth and the competition at each position to be able to put a solid and uh, solid defense on the field that can complement our offense. You brought in a lot of new pieces uh, from the portal through recruiting, but I'm going to focus in on Tamise there for a second because I've known Tamise since he was a Katie Tompkins, and I think the world of him. So using him as an example, how has Tumise integrated into Michigan State? Especially, you know, that, that's a dude from South Texas, right? It's a little bit different up there in East Lansing. Yeah, with him, it's all about trust. The first thing he told me uh, when, I, when he hit the portal and I talked to him is that, you know, I just want to work with people that I can trust. They're going to be straight up with me. Um, and uh, this is, you know, just what you see is what you get. And I said, well, you, you're talking to the right guy because that's how we operate. And so when he got here, that's what it was all about, you know, just building trust with the coaching staff. Uh, he really uh, has a lot of respect for Dyron Reynolds. He's got, he's got 11 years of experience, our new D-line coach in the NFL, has a Super Bowl ring, coach for Tony Dungy, Jim Caldwell, David Shaw. I mean, really knows how to relate to the players, coach some Hall of Fame players, you know, like Dwight Freeney and Matheson, guys like Jared Allen, you know, so he's got the credibility. So he's, he's building the trust. And then, you know, just really the culture, you know, the culture of accountability, you know, attention to detail, you know, do your job. You know, that's what he wanted and that's what he got. You know, and as he went through the spring and, he, you know, he, he, you know, we got him in shape and, he, you know, got better and better. And he's at a place right now where he's ready, he's ready to take off. Uh, uh, he's, he's a really good acquisition for us. And I think the world of him as well. He's a really, really smart kid. Um, but with him, it's all about trust and connection. Coach, people are aware of incident in Michigan Tunnel last year. And I'm curious if Kerry Crump and others have had an opportunity to work themselves back onto your football team. Yeah, all of those guys are back. Uh, Crump was a uh, Crump was the last one to come back. Uh, he came back uh, towards the end of the semester, um, and so you know, you know, all of those guys are are back on the team. You know, uh, Crump still has uh, eight more games of suspension, and he knows that. Um, and so you know, he's he's paid a heavy price, um, but. Uh, you know, I think he's learned, his, he's, he's learned a lot from it, and we're all ready to move forward. What has been your message to your team about allowing opportunities to earn your way back, and what does that say about Michigan State football today? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about what's the right next step to take. And, you know, we had a situation, and, you know, we did what we thought was best uh, for the program and for the players and trying to do the right thing. We went through that process. 
uh, and and then uh, and 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 you know there were some penalties. Um, we respected those and honored those, um, and guys were reinstated, and then we went back to work. You know, we learned from those things, and we move we move forward. You know, better, stronger, uh, more experienced. You know, you learn from those things, and and that's what makes you a better person, a better man. And uh, you know, we have a strong culture. Um, we've got you know good kids that. Uh, they love Michigan State. That you know, they they want to they want to graduate. They want to get a degree. They want they want to be productive citizens. They want to go to the NFL. You know, they have dreams and aspirations, and we're doing everything we can to help them get there. Right on, Coach. Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker. Thank you so much for taking time to join us here on the Number One College Football Show. Thank you so much. Go Green. I'm pleased to be joined by Purdue head coach Ryan Walters. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, blessed to be here. I say Purdue head coach. Does that sink for you? Does that mean something different now? Absolutely it does, man. Um, you know, there, there have been a, a couple moments since uh, December 13th where it, it, it has hit me and I've been able to sit back and kind of reflect at the, the reality of, of my situation now. And um, to, to be a, a first-time head coach at such a prestigious University like Purdue in such a great conference like the Big Ten um, is humbling to say the least. They tell me that defense wins championships. They sell me that offense sells tickets. I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma, which it also tells me I know from Graham Harrell. And in knowing from Graham Harrell, I wonder how did you identify him as your OC? Yeah, well, you know, being a a defensive guy and, and having my background what it is, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that the quarterback position is the most important position in sports, period. And so mm -hmm. I needed to go get a guy that would attract quarterbacks, attract offensive skill um, individuals to keep the, the offensive tradition at Purdue. And so Graham was a no-brainer. Um, you know, I got familiarity with Graham. We played against him in, in college and was able to follow his career when he got into coaching. Um, we've got a lot of really good mutual friends and, and guys that I lean on on that side of the ball. And uh, by far and away, every, every, every arrow pointed to Graham. And so when I uh, approached him with the opportunity, uh, he was eager to, to jump at it. And, um, you know, we, we think about the game the same way. We, we value the relationship aspect of this, of this business with our, with our student athletes uh, the same way. And, and Graham's a no-ego guy. He just wants to get the job done. Um, and that's the, that is the culture that we're creating at Purdue right now. I read a story that you were on a recruiting trip to Texas when you got the job and you were looking around, looking for offensive coordinator, found out that Graham was in Texas, said, stay put, I got to talk to you real quick. Can you walk me through the process of identifying him and then convince him to move to West Lafayette? Yeah, it was somewhat like that. Um, so I, I was, had gotten a job okay. and you know we had the departure of Aiden O'Connell um, to the uh, Raiders, so I knew that we had to go get a quarterback, and had I identified Hudson Card as the, uh, in my opinion, was the best quarterback in the transfer portal, and so I remember calling Hudson and asking where he was going to be on Friday, and he said, I'll be back home in, in Lake Travis, and I was like, cool, I'm going to come uh, with my offensive coordinator, and, and we'll chop it up, and he was like, well, who's your OC, and I was like, well, I don't know yet, don't worry about it, so um, called, called Graham the next day. And, um, and that's, that's when we started talking ball and, and talking about what it would look like for him to, uh, to be the, the leader on the offensive side of the ball here at Purdue. 
Um, he was excited about it. And so the next day, um, he was recruiting for West Virginia in, in Dallas. Uh, so flew to Dallas, uh, threw him a Purdue polo, picked him up, and we went to go see Hudson Card, and, and the rest is history. Well, Coach, if I knew nothing else about how you recruit, that story would tell me all I need to know. Don't worry about it. I'll have somebody. <laughs> and then you go to Dallas, you go get that guy. That's remarkable. I love that. The thing that it stood out to me is not just the prospects that you put into the NFL at Illinois or even what kind of a coach you were at Missouri. It's how other coaches talk about you. And the word that always comes up is fiery. Have you always been fiery? Mm. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny when people get to know me because off the field, like I'm, you can see, I'm pretty laid back, I'm easy going, and um, it's, it's hard for me to have a bad day. But as soon as we are doing something competitive, uh, and somebody's keeping score. Like, yeah, I want to win. I want to win big, and I want to tell you about it while I'm doing it. So, um, yeah, as soon as we step on the grass, it's it, it, it's go time. As soon as uh, as soon as we play Monopoly, it's go time. You know what I mean? So, uh, I'm, I love all things competition, um, and I think that's what where the fieriness comes from um, with, that people talk about. We're talking in July, and it dawned on me that the number of coaches that I know that are under the age of 50 is bigger than I've ever seen in my life. And I've been covering college football for half of it. Why do you think that the game is skewing more toward a younger head coach? Um, I just think the, the landscape of college football is changing, you know, and if you think about it in terms of like a corporation, um, if you've got an employee that has, has worked some, somewhere for 20 years and all of a sudden policy changes, Sometimes it could be hard for that employee to adapt, and sometimes it could be it, they even fight that change. And so I think uh, when you get a, a younger, you take that same corporation, you hire somebody that, that is a new while that policy is changing, not only will they adapt to it, but they'll thrive in it and, and come up with different ideas. And so I think with NIL, with Transfer Portal, with player empowerment, uh, with social media and, and, and the widespread network that everybody has nowadays, I just think that a uh, younger generation understands that, they adapt to it, and they, um, they understand it and, and will thrive in it, and that, that lends itself to having more organic and real relationships between players and coaches. You're familiar with the Big Ten, obviously, and you're even more familiar with the Big Ten West, but the prospect of coaching at Purdue seems challenging, especially at this time. Have you met those challenges already? Yeah, I mean, you're going to face challenges. And the one thing that I love about ball is you're guaranteed to have adverse moments. Um, and I think that's the biggest correlation that you got with life. Like, life happens sometimes. You, you're going to go through adversity. That's guaranteed. And it's how you, um, how you approach it and attack it uh, to come out on the other side uh, better for it. And, and so there are challenges at Purdue that we've attacked them head on. Um, we've been urgent and, and meticulous. Um, about the, the moves that we've made to, to better the player experience um, at Purdue. Um, I'm blessed to be around uh, an administration um, that believes in and supports uh, what, we're, what we're preaching, and uh, they, they understand our, and what it takes to compete at a, at a high level in this conference um, from a, a resource standpoint as well. And so, you know, I'm the, the, we always say at our place, like, the time is now to, to be a Purdue Boilermaker and we're excited about um, showcasing uh, what we've been working on since January um, to, to the rest of the Big Ten come the fall. I ask about those challenges because, Coach, I'm looking at your schedule and you're going to face them. Like, I, I was doing the math here, 
and you got two teams on the schedule that won 10 games. I think you got six that went bowling last year, and they have a combined record of about 56 wins and 42 losses. Did you expect this to be the challenge that you were going to face in year one as a head coach? Well, I mean, damn, when you put it that way, it, yeah, it does look challenging. Um, but, you know, it, it comes with the territory, right? Like, this is the Big Ten Conference, so there, ain't, there isn't going to be you no know, easy, easy wins. Um, you're going to have to uh, lace them up and strap them up every Saturday. And this is just another example of that. And I think it, it makes the um, prospect of what, what you see, see as success on the, at the end of the season that much sweeter when you know that you've ran through uh, the gauntlet of, of the Big Ten schedule and, and the, the type of non-conference games that we have, you know, if we do what I think we can do, then we'll, we'll be better for it come, come November. Being defense coordinator at Illinois, the game that I think about most is the one you played against Michigan, a team that won the Big Ten championship, arrived at the college football playoff undefeated, and you knew you had them, right? You knew that you were playing with them snap for snap. How do you install that mentality on your Purdue defense, but also your Purdue offense? Yeah, it's just the, you know, just the, like I said earlier, like I love competition. I love to compete. And uh, when you get an opportunity to go compete against the best, you got to be at your best and you got to embrace those moments. And I thought, um, you know, last season was a, a, an example of that on, on our side of the ball. Um, those, those players, and again, because nobody's coming to the games to watch us coach, right? Everybody's going to the game to watch the players play. Um, and ultimately, it was the players um, that, that adapted, that um, uh, adjusted to what we were doing in-game, and, and that went out there and competed on a snap-in, snap-out basis, and didn't worry about you know, when those adverse, adverse moments hit. Uh, they just kept playing. So um, it was, uh, was unfortunate to come out on the, on the losing side of that game, but was proud of the way they played. And you know we've got a bunch of lock, guys in the locker room that are uh, we're similar in terms of mindset uh, here at Purdue. I can't wait uh, to see see them go out there on game days um, and and show showcase what we're doing. It dawns on me that we always think about the hiring of a head coach as who we would put on his staff, right? We think about this person as a blank slate, like they want our input. But it also dawns on me that someone like you. It's probably thinking about how you would construct a roster and a staff on the fly even before you get the job. So I, I, I want to ask, what was the process like after you interviewed, you lay out your plan for Purdue football, and then you got to go execute it? Did you have all those things in like a Google Doc somewhere saved? No, I mean, I've, so the, what, I've been blessed in the fact that, I, you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do when I grew up at a young age, right? I knew I wanted to be a head coach. And so every, every move I've made um, in my career has been calculated and strategic with that thought in mind. And so uh, when I got the job, it, it wasn't like I got it and then I'm trying to figure it out. It's, uh, I got the job and I was just executed a plan. So I knew on the defensive side that, I, that I, I wanted to get guys that I've worked with that knew the system because it is unique, it is, um, uh, it is different, and, and I thought that was important. Um, also because I knew I would be removed from the, the defensive room um, more than I would want to just by the nature of being a head coach and having head coach duties. Um, and then offensively, I thought it was uh, important to get a guy, like I said earlier, to, to attract quarterbacks and offensive skill players um, and, and that thought about the game in an innovative way and, and, and would bring a different brand of football to the Big Ten. Um, and then also hire guys that, that I knew and trusted on, on the offense side of the ball as well that I've worked with before. Uh, so I know how everybody operates, I know how they work. 
I don't need to micromanage. You know, I hired everybody to do a job, and they, they're doing their job at a high level. And so I couldn't be more pleased with the, the staff that uh, we've been able to put together at Purdue. I'm curious how you are answering the question of Purdue's place in the Big Ten with the arrival of UCLA and USC next year, and we're not going to see divisions, so there's not going to be a Big Ten West to play against. There's going to be everybody to play against. What do you tell those folks? Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking, we, you know, on the recruiting trail, we just always say, like, why not Purdue? Um, you talk about a, a world-class education um, in the best conference in college football. Um, you're, you're in a location that um, the fan base loves their sports. Um, you know, we've got 39,000 season tickets already sold and counting. That's been the most since 2008. And they sold mm -hmm. out every game last year at, at Ross-Aid. Um, uh, you talk about the proximity to some major markets. You know, West Lafayette's you know, two hours away from Chicago. It's an hour away from Indy, uh, which means you got a major airport that's an hour away, and, and you got a central location and, um, to major recruiting grounds right here in the Big Ten. Uh, so we got the, the facilities. I had no idea that they were what they were before I got the job. Uh, but like I said, administration knows what it takes from a resource standpoint uh, to be able to compete at a high level. And so uh, now that I've been here and I've seen the community, I've seen the facilities, I know the conference, um, and, and now I've been able to see the university in its, in its totality. Um, I feel like this is one of the last like sleeping gold mines or sleeping giants in, in college football. And so it's just my job to um, make sure that Purdue is, is having success at a consistent basis. Um, obviously, this place has had success on, in spurts, um, but you know, it's our job with the people that we've put in that, that building and that facility uh, to make sure that we're competing at a high level year in and year out. I have heard over and over again about the quality education at Purdue. My brother-in-law's got a PhD in computer science from there, and it sounds like you know the rest of it to put together a championship-level football team. Coach Walters, I'm very excited to see what you have. Purdue head coach Ryan Walters, thank you so much for joining us here on the number one college football show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm pleased to be joined by Purdue quarterback Hudson Card. Hudson, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Very excited to speak with you because this is the first time I've actually got to speak with you. Uh, and honestly, couldn't be at a better time because I was watching Alabama, Texas. I saw Quinn Ewers go down and I saw you step up. What did you learn about yourself in that game being thrust into competition when you weren't even expecting to play? Yeah, I learned a lot about myself. Um, you know, I think my whole my whole time uh, at Texas and the whole experience of it all, I learned a lot about myself and, um, you know, I had some adversity um, that I had to, uh, you know, work towards and work through and, um, you know, I think I learned a lot about myself and, um, you know, I learned so much um, from, you know, Tom Herman who recruited me to Coach Sark um, and I have nothing but great things to say about them and um, wish them the best but, um, you know, the Alabama game was uh, one that I will remember and, um, you know, I learned a lot that game and, um, you know, you just never know uh, when you're when you're the uh, you know the backup, and you never know when your time will come in. And um, you know, like I said, I learned a lot through that season, and uh, just try to take advantage of the opportunity that I had. I mentioned to you before we started taping. I'm from Oklahoma, which means that I care quite a bit about Texas high school football. So you, being a guy that went to Lake Travis, being a guy that grew up in Austin, how did it feel to be able to don that Longhorn uniform and play in what was the biggest non-conference game that I think, well, Texas has seen since LSU right there on the 40 acres? 
Yeah, um, you know, obviously just growing up, I was always a Texas fan. Uh, that was my dream school uh, just uh, as a kid. So being able to put on the burnt orange and uh, play and represent them was a dream come true of mine. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, growing up, I used to watch Alabama, uh, you know, at the national championship game almost every year. So to be able to play against them and um, be a part of that game was, was something special and uh, something that I'll never forget. You're at Purdue now. And the reason I say it like that is your crosstown rival produced the last great Purdue quarterback in Drew Brees who went to Westlake. Do you catch any guff from folks back home about going to Purdue? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Uh, it's funny because when I was on my visit um, to Purdue, I uh, got a FaceTime call from Drew, and uh, you know the first thing he said uh, or that he mentioned was the Westlake Lake Travis rival, uh, which was pretty funny. But um, you know, just having him at Purdue and uh, you know us growing up in the same part of town is, is something cool and something special. It is a program that from time to time has had some great passers and some great play callers, right? I mentioned Joe Tiller and, of course, uh, lately Jeff Brom. Now we're talking about Graham Harrell. You're from Texas, so perhaps you are the person having to tell your teammates, no, uh, Coach Harrell is a Texas football legend, and what he says is probably going to work. What's it been like to see some of those players find out who your offensive coordinator is, not just to them, but to college football? Yeah, I mean, he's been awesome ever since he uh, stepped foot on campus. You know, we kind of uh, came in together, and uh, he, he's been awesome ever since. Um, like I said, he's, he's a, a great coach, um, and he was an, an amazing uh, player in, in college as well. And, uh, you know, when I first got here, he always gave me, uh, you know, he always, you know, joked with me about um, him and Crabtree be beating Texas uh, back in the day when he played. So, uh, you know, it, it's really cool that both of us are from Texas and, um, and, you know, ended up at Purdue, get, Purdue together um, and we're on this journey together. And, um, you know, I think our players, our players know um, what, what he did in college and uh, it's just awesome to be able to learn from him now. It has been fascinating for me to watch how people are really excited for you because I'm thinking you're getting a Texas quarterback, right? That's great. That's a guy that can air it out. That's a guy that is not opposed to throwing for 5,000 yards. But all I keep hearing is, Hey, we got a quarterback that can move around. We got a quarterback that can run. What's that been like for you knowing that the coaches and the fan base are fired up about your ability to move in the pocket? Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, Graham, uh, his, his uh, offense fits my uh, skill set well um, in what I do. And, you know, obviously I'm a guy that, that wants to throw first, but obviously um, when things aren't there and things collapse, uh, I, can, I can use my legs as well. And um, we'll have a little bit of uh, more running ability for me to be able to showcase. And uh, I think it's part of my game that I haven't, haven't really showcased too much, um, just being in the systems that I've been in. Uh, which were more pro style. Um, so just, I think, I think uh, it'll be able to showcase my, my skill set well um, in his offense, and Coach Harrell's offense. So I'm just looking forward to it and um, excited to get, get things rolling. I see the fit from an offensive scheme standpoint. I see the fit from an offensive coordinator standpoint. Help me understand why a kid from Austin, Texas would want to go play football at Purdue. 
Yeah, um, that's a great question. When I, when I went in the portal, I had no idea where I'd end up. And uh, if you told me Purdue, uh, you know, right when I entered, I'd probably say you were crazy. But, um, you know, they, they were kind of a little bit later in my, in my recruiting process just because Coach Walters got hired a little later. But, um, you know, I've, I've heard great things about Coach Wal Walters when I was in the portal at the time. And then, um, you know, just him hiring uh, Coach Harrell. Um, you know, like I said, I thought it would be a great fit for my, for my uh, the way I play. And then, um, you know, when, when we started talking to them, I just felt that connection um, instantly with them. And, um, you know, they're younger guys with, with a lot of energy, um, you know, great coaches. You, you've seen what Coach Walters uh, has done um, in his past as well as uh, Coach Harrell. Um, so them together I thought would, would be a great fit. And then, you know, Purdue. Purdue always has uh, has has always had a chance um, to win championships, um, and they're all they're always up there. Um, and then you know, obviously their their track record with quarterbacks and um, the way they spin the ball around. You know, I thought it would be a great a great fit for me. I mentioned again, I'm from Oklahoma, which another way of saying the last time I saw a great defensive head coach like Bob Stoops or Ryan Walters, and an air raid offensive coordinator like Mike Leach or Graham Harrell. And a quarterback that knew what he was doing in the offense and felt freer as if he could make some decisions, it ended up going pretty good for them, and it stayed pretty good for them for a while. Do you feel energized knowing that you have a fiery young defensive head coach and an old soul if a very modern style of passing attack, Graham Harrell, to complement what you do well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think... You know they they've done a great job just instilling in the players and um, you know instilling the the culture um, you know in the locker room and people have really you know uh, taken it to heart and really um, just trying to learn the new schemes uh, of the offense and the defense um, you know because obviously the new schemes uh, are here um, at Purdue and um, you know I think them together work really well um, Coach Walters lets you know Coach Harrell you know take care of the offense and um, obviously Coach Walters will take care of the defense. And um, I think it's just a good mix. Um, and, and like I said, the culture um, is unbelievable. Um, you know what they've. You know, I, th I think they've they've gained respect from the very first team meeting um, to all the players, especially when Coach Walters um, gave a scholarship to uh, you know Devin Mockaby. So um, you know, I think from the jump, people have respected him, um, and, and we're just excited for the season and uh, to showcase what we've we've been putting in work for. Can you tell me a story about how you figured out Coach Walters was a fiery guy? That's a good question. Um, I would say, I mean, obviously in the team meeting, he got everyone's attention and respect uh, real quick. And then I think, you know, right, our, our first practice in, in, in spring ball, um, you know, I think from the get-go of, of starting practice, you know, him huddling up the team together and um, just getting everyone fired up to uh, go compete. And, um, you know, I think the staff that he hired is, is incredible. Um, you know, everyone's, you know, super young and energetic and there's just a lot of energy and, um, you know, a lot of excitement around the, the program. I look at the schedule and it, it's tough. It, it's not easy. You got two teams that won 10 games on that schedule. I think you got six or seven teams that went bowling last year. Are you excited for this schedule or as challenging as it is? Yeah, I'm super excited. You know, I think, 
I think in order to be the best, you have to play the best. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, you, know, you want to play the best. Um, and I think everyone in our locker room has, has really taken that in and um, accepted the challenge. And, uh, you know, I think we're up for it. And, you know, I think it's all the work that, you know, we've been putting in um, from winter to spring to summer um, and now going into camp. Um, you know, I think the guys are, are super excited. And um, you play in some big-time games. And, you know, that's what you dream of, um, you know, as a kid. And, um, um, you know, wanting to play in those big time games. So to, to get the opportunity to play in them um, will be something really special for, for all, all the guys on our team. And, um, I, you know, I think we're really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, too. Purdue quarterback Hudson Card, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on the number one college football show. Thank you. I appreciate it. And that concludes our day two at Big Ten Media Days. And I appreciate you for joining us on our tour through the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the Big 10 as we talk to the biggest names in the sport. We will see y'all next Wednesday. Deuces.